Hello, and welcome to another episode of Real Ramblin', a podcast for movie lovers and a place where movie conversations happen. And today, the conversation is happening all on my lonesome. That's right, no guests with me today, uh, just alone with my thoughts, and hey, that's not always a bad thing. If Harrison Ford and Alden Ehrenreich have taught me anything, it's that flying solo is pretty cool. So, today I'm alone with my thoughts. Normally, I'd say... That could be kind of a boring place to hang out. But I'll tell you one thing that's been on my mind a lot recently, and that is Pixar. That's right, the world of Pixar that we all know and love, or at least most of us are pretty familiar with Pixar Animation Studios. They've been working with Disney, partnering to create um, just some of the most amazing, uh, groundbreaking, and thought-provoking films for the past over 20 years now. And that's something really special. So I thought I would do something kind of special here on episode three of Real Ramblin'. Instead of doing the usual rambling or um, like a specific hyper-focus critique, I thought I would use something that I crafted very recently um, because I had gone back and um, watched now every single one. It had still been, for me... Um, one or two out there that I hadn't watched. Of course, Luca came out just this past year, and I did watch that one with my kiddos a few weeks back. But then uh, Onward was one that I still hadn't watched until um, very recently. So I thought now is a great time to um, just reflect on the years past. I, as well as probably many of you, have um, not just enjoyed Pixar in our current day, but really have grown up with this world. And so that's a really cool thing to think about. So to celebrate the groundbreaking achievements of Pixar Animation Studios, as well as our journey along with them throughout the years, I have written sort of like a love letter to Pixar. And I know that could sound kind of weird, but um, to me, that's just how my version of reflection came out. Um, I like poetry and writing letters and things like that. So I actually wrote a letter to Pixar just kind of referencing each uh, film that they have created and put out and that we've enjoyed or maybe not enjoyed so much. And um, the fun thing for you listeners right now is to, as you are listening for the next few minutes, number one, maybe pick out uh, which ones you know for sure. Oh, yeah, this is talking about uh, Monsters, Inc. or Toy Story 2 or whatever it might be. And then also just think about um, whether or not you agree with some of the opinions that are shared throughout this letter or not. Uh, All of it is pretty much bottom line. It's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Um, There's some sarcasm in there. There's some real... Um, heart, and I hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. Dear Pixar, thank you for mesmerizing me in my formative years by bringing toys to life and forever changing the way a kid's movie can look. Even though your next theatrical release was basically the script for The Three Amigos, but with bugs, you still made a lasting impression on me. Thanks for rebranding a formula that works. Few things in 1999 got me more excited than the follow-up to the first story about toys. You made me laugh, but more importantly, you made me feel terrible for all the times I had ever gotten rid of a toy. Thanks for delivering what would become one of your most imaginative and heartwarming stories based on a bunch of monsters and a corporate scandal. On paper, this one really should not have worked as a kid's movie, but it did. Had I been a father in 2003, I may have had a greater appreciation for the urgency and pacing of the quest for the lost little clownfish. Now I understand. 
Hey, Pixar, thanks for dipping your toes into the superhero genre before the world was overwhelmed by it. For all of the sleekness and action surrounding the Parr family, this movie never lost your story team's trademark focus, heart. The idea of NASCAR and Larry the Cable Guy was an instant turnoff for me leading up to your next theatrical release. But thanks to another great story and the voice talent of Owen Wilson, I realized that I judged prematurely. By 2007, I was a senior in high school, too cool for anything, and needed sophistication in these movies if I was going to continue being seen watching them. Thanks for delivering the perfect dish for my misguided palate. My compliments to the tiny chef. One part lost in space, one part G-rated version of idiocracy, your genius lies in getting me to fall in love with a robot love story. It was, and still is, my absolute favorite. Your next major hit should have been titled Down, as in my man points went way down for sobbing uncontrollably within the first 15 minutes of this thing. Seriously, what is wrong with you? Back when I believed this next installment about toys was the final installment about toys, part three seemed like a solid success in wrapping things up. Thanks for tackling big concepts like death, friendship, and change in a fun adventure for all ages. Thanks for giving us Michael Caine in car form, and for trying to drive in a different direction. Well, we can't win them all, right? 2012 was the beginning of a quiet period for my movie-watching lifestyle, with the arrival of my first child. Thanks for creating a fun and epic tale full of castles, bears, and bravery, waiting for the day I would once again have enough sleep to comprehend it all. Your next project seemed like it would be a straight-to-video sequel, Although it did not match the heart of its predecessor, it was still fun to hang out with our favorite monsters again for a while. Oh, and thanks for giving us Randall with glasses. Didn't know I needed it until I saw it. I didn't really appreciate this until a few years after it came out, but thanks for combining perfect casting with a colorful and creative examination of the adolescent brain with all its emotions. I think it's helped me become a slightly better middle school teacher. Emphasis on slightly. Dinosaur Ranchers was one of your lamer ideas. I think the critics agreed with me. I did like the cute animal boy, though. Bring him back in some other story, please. I remember in 2016 when the annoying bluefish got her own movie. Despite my hesitancy, I enjoyed it more than the first fish tale. And it was the first of your films that both of my kids were old enough to comprehend and talk about. Good memories. What was I talking about again? McQueen's third time around the track successfully blended nostalgia with a fresh perspective. Thanks for a very rewatchable final product that spoke to both the dad and teacher in me. Props for giving us a culture we had not yet explored in 2017. It may not have been one of my favorites, but I appreciate that music took center stage, surrounded by some memorable visuals. Remember when you tried to bring back everyone's favorite super family, but then added a convoluted plot and creepy goggle pizza man that gave my kids nightmares for weeks? Still mad at you for that. It's difficult for me to acknowledge your next big movie as anything else but a lazy cash grab. Sorry. Congrats on creating your only piece of work I can't find a single positive thing to say about. After my brief rough patch with you, I was ready to be whisked away to something whimsical, something different. Thanks for hitting the spot with a magical balance of unique, funny, and heartfelt. It's like Lord of the Rings, but for Pixar. Thank you for sharing the everyman's perspective on the complexities of life and beyond, as life in the real world continues to get more and more complex. 
I could do without the annoying side characters for once, though, please. Not sure how I felt about your most recent endeavor. I mean, continuing our journey around the world was a nice touch, but the two young Italian merboys teaching my kids that rebellious actions have no consequences as long as they can win a race? Eh, worth it, I guess, now that my daughter goes around the house squishing bugs and yelling, Silencio Bruno! Pixar, we've been together for Disney adventures since 1995. We may not always get along, but you've been there through the good and the bad. You've grown up with me, and now you're growing up with my own kids, sharing stories that we can all experience and talk about together. As I get older, I look forward to the many adventures to come, each one of them bringing out the kid in me again. Thank you. Sincerely, a 30-something-year-old who's a fan for life. And that's my letter. Hope you enjoyed. Um, Oh, we do have a little bit of extra time left here on this episode, so why not get to doing some rambling? I really can't resist. Um, And I think I said near the top of the episode that I'm not going to do a ranking of any kind, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm not going to do all 20-something, but uh, I'll give you my top three and on the opposite end of the spectrum, maybe like my bottom three. I think that's important to think about, talk about, anytime you're reflecting on your uh, your movie lists when there have been a lot out there. Um, further down the road on the show, I'm definitely going to be getting into doing like a, a MCU ranking, at least with all of the MCU main films that we've had out up to this point, like the first three phases, I guess, right? Um, but we'll do that later on. Okay, Pixar, here we go. My top three, and I'll go ahead and start with number three. Number three for me is Ratatouille. I love Ratatouille. Um, It's just anytime Pixar can follow the same mold um, but chooses to go in a different direction, I really like that. And I know we've had over 20 um, Pixar movies now uh, partnered with Disney. And so you might think like, well, yeah, where else can they go? But um, to just come up with this fresh idea of a rat um, being able to cook and not only being able to cook, but, um, just really having a passion for cooking. It might not be like one of the first things that you feel like you relate to unless you, um, love to cook, I guess, or have been in the cooking world or profession. But even so, just some of the funny antics that came out of, uh, the rat having to work with, um, the clumsy boy, uh, Linguini, the main character there, just funny stuff, and I liked that it was in Paris. Again, kind of doing that world travel for Pixar, where at first they kind of stayed in one sort of um, part of the world or neck of the woods, whatever you want to call it, with their first few films. So Ratatouille, uh, my number three. I could talk on and on, I guess, about it, but I won't. I won't ramble too much. I promise. Um, number two for me has to be the original Toy Story. It's not at the very top for me. Um, I think I did already give a a hint earlier in my letter that I wrote of which one is my favorite, and I'll get to that in a minute. But the original Toy Story has to be on everyone's top something list, whether that's top three, top five, whatever. Um, But just it's the one that started it all, right? It's groundbreaking, um, as they say. I remember my own experience going into the theater and not even really knowing all that much about it or what to expect. This was kind of before the days, this was 1995, so this was before the days where you could watch a bunch of trailers 
weeks out or months out before the film even came out, or I should say maybe trailers were popping out at you on YouTube or whatever. This was before all that. And so um, going into this movie and maybe even expecting like, yeah, I've heard that it's like different kind of animation, but I just didn't know until it started going. And I'm like, wow, um, this is amazing. This is blowing my mind and it's changing uh, the way that these Disney movies are going to be going. And we know since then, obviously, that not all Disney's return to the computer animation style, whether it's uh, sold Disney product or Disney and Pixar. Uh, I think of Princess and the Frog that came out a while back that um, went back to the um, traditional uh, like 2D hand-drawn style, and that was pretty cool. I appreciated that. Um, but all the same, Toy Story, when it came out, it changed the formula of how um, kids' movies could be made and shown. And for that, um, it definitely holds a special place in my heart, a special place in my ranking. All right, so we come to number one, and that is WALL-E. This one, uh, to me, feels like a uh, kind of strangely a divisive um, Pixar movie, at least in terms of like ranking. So I've heard a lot of people say that this is their favorite or among their favorites, and then uh, others who are kind of on the other half of things, like, no, they, they really didn't like it for one reason or another, and that's fine. For me, it's number one because of, again, the concept of going out into a different direction, um, a different feel than things that we had seen before. Um, number two, uh, I thought it was funny. Um, you don't get that, at least for me, this is my opinion speaking now. I don't feel like every single Pixar movie I've sat down and watched is like laugh out loud from beginning to end. Um, but the magic of Pixar is that <clears throat> it's kind of for all ages. So um, kids can laugh at things, um, really connect with things and characters, and adults can too a lot of times. And for me, um, Wally, I introduced another what-if situation. This is what Pixar does so well. I think this is their magic formula, really. It all comes down to what if this happened. So you think about going back to the beginning with Toy Story, what if toys could come to life and talk to each other, and what would they do? What kind of crazy situations would they get into? Think about Bugs Life. Okay, what if Bugs can talk and walk around and do things that they maybe do or normally don't do, and um, we got Bugs Life, right? With Wally. it's like, what if a we had a robot that had a specific job and he couldn't talk, but he could still communicate in a lot of different ways? And that was part of the genius for me is that you're watching this, uh, I think, between hour and a half and two hour film, and you get Wally even by the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of it, or some might say by the middle of it, or others, okay, maybe you got who he was by the end of it. But all that you get without him really saying a whole lot. I know he he's able to say Eve and a few other words. Um, Eva, I should say, and that's how he says her name, right? So cute. But then, yeah, to just get me invested in these two robots who really end up kind of like falling in love, I don't know, it's, it's just silly, and it's and it's out in space, and I love space, so... Wally got me back in 2008, and it's still my favorite. All right, real quick, gonna go jump down to the bottom three, and maybe this isn't as fun to talk about for some people, but um, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. So I'll go ahead and do the same sort of order. So I'll start with I'll call it negative three, and then go down to the uh, 
just my least favorite. All right, um, negative three for me is almost like a tie. This one was the hardest for me, actually. A tie between uh, Cars 2 and The Good Dinosaur. And likely The Good Dinosaur is on just about everyone's very bottom of their list. I've heard uh, everything about the the ratings, um, both from critics and audiences on that one. And I did do a rewatch uh, recently, did a rewatch uh, with my kids about a month ago. And there are some things about it that I found, um, I don't know, fun. Like I said, I love the little wild animal boy. I think uh, the dinosaur ended up naming him Spot. That's cute. Um, the reverse kind of role of the the boy and his pet. I get what they were doing there. Um, but overall, the story to me was just kind of boring. There, there didn't feel like, didn't feel like there was a whole lot of depth there. Um, some of the music and parts was was cool and kind of exciting. Um, but then again, it was like long stretches of boring intermixed with these like sequences of scary almost death. And that was kind of the pattern all throughout the whole thing from beginning to end. So I didn't feel like it had a whole lot to offer, although I would still put it higher than these next two. Um, but talking about Cars 2 real fast, that was kind of the tie. If I could throw two in the same slot... Um, because uh, even though I, I appreciated that they were trying to go in a different direction and then they brought it back to like the original formula for Cars 3, um, it was just too much Mater. Mater's not my favorite character in that uh, in that world. Um, I know he's really fun for the kids and he's wacky and that's that's great. Um, but uh, and no, no personal attack on Larry the Cable Guy. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's not for me. And um, the the spy, it seems to me like they couldn't figure out whether they wanted to make it like this spy thriller thing or like a goofy mater hour thing. And they kind of combined both to make a, a product that just didn't work for me. All right. My negative two. And that is Incredibles 2. Um, if I get anywhere close to something like a hot take, this is probably going to be it at least for this episode. Uh, a lot of people loved Incredibles 2 when it first came out because they were waiting for it for so long. Everyone loved the first one, and I understand that. But I encourage you, if you like super loved it, but maybe you've only watched it once or twice, give it a rewatch and reassess it. Um, I watched it for the first time in the theaters. I brought my kids to the show, and like I talked about in the letter, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment, but um, I was actually upset. Like, I didn't walk out of the show with them, but I can tell that they were continuously bothered by, like, the creepy screen slaver guy. Um, and that, to me, just seemed like it wasn't necessary. Um, they were trying to build, like, a complex villain and, like, a red herring kind of thing. You think it's the goggle guy, but it's actually the lady, the sister. And then the plot just got more and more complex from there, and I just really didn't enjoy it. Um, it's not on the very bottom for me because there were a couple of redeemable uh, moments and characters. Of course, Jack-Jack just going crazy and fighting the raccoon. Like, that was a lot of fun. Um, but would I go back to Incredibles 2 very often? Not really. The first one for me, I actually really enjoy. It's near the top of my middle pack in my ranking. All right, so that leaves um, negative one, also known as my least favorite Pixar Disney property. And that is Toy Story 4. Um, it's sad to say, really, because the other three for me were so good. Um, 
number two and three uh, definitely had their memorable moments. They made me laugh. They made me cry. Um, number one was uh, groundbreaking and just a cool original story. And number four, just I know many people have said this, so it's nothing new, but it's like I, I just continue to ask the question, why does it exist? And it's almost like this ironic thing that appears within the story and the movie itself as well, because you have that character of Forky who has this like existential crisis of why do I even exist? I'm trash. Um, and the movie itself is like asking that question and and a lot of the audience was, I think, as well. Um, I remember right after Toy Story 3 came out, it wasn't like, okay, they're definitely going to make a sequel. It really seemed like they were ending it there. Um, it wasn't like after Toy Story 2 where they said, yeah, we're going to be making a third. We're going to bring a close to the story. Um, number three had such a great conclusion already. I, I think it should have ended there with um, Andy handing over his toys to Bonnie and, um, and, and being done there. But yeah, then number four came out, and it really just, besides the fact that I struggled with it trying to tack on another conclusion and try to get people to, like, be emotional about goodbyes again, um, it just didn't really deliver on story throughout. It's like almost like too many things were going on. You had, like, the weird antique doll shop thing, and then Woody and Buzz, who kind of, like, lost their buddy charm since the first and second one and it just derailed real quick for me um bo peep coming back into the picture i thought that could have been a cool concept um except it just ended up with a, a weird um idea to me that like oh woody doesn't need his friends or andy or anyone anymore as long as he has bo peep like that was the ending at the end so i don't know it uh, it just did not work for me on so many levels, and it was so obvious to me that it was just about the marketing and making more money, and that's sad because I do really respect and love and appreciate so much of what Pixar Animation Studios and Disney has brought us, but Toy Story 4, it's hard for me to really acknowledge its existence, and um, I think my kids did end up watching it like once, and they weren't even a big fan of it, so when that happens, you know it's... Uh, there's some truth in that. All right, I've ranked my top three, my bottom three, and um, I've also shared my reflection, my love letter to Pixar with you all. So at this time, uh, I'm going to move towards the final segments of the show, of this episode. So I'm going to throw out a fun scenario question for you all. That's right. I'm going to take a moment to answer it first, and then I want you all to think about it and send me an answer. But before we get there, don't forget... Um, episode coming up where I want some listener, some audience input, and uh, I'm going to talk about at the very end here, just to remind you ways that you can um, get a hold of me, send in your your questions and your thoughts and um, answers to questions. That would be awesome. Uh, also coming up, I'm very excited within the next couple of episodes, we're going to have a very, very special guest on the show. My wife, Vicki, will be joining us, and we are going to talk about the topic of books versus films. Hmm, which one is the better storyteller, or can they coexist successfully? We'll see. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Fun Disney Pixar scenario coming right up. Okay, we've talked about Pixar, so I'm giving you... Uh, you get to put together a team, a squad, 
um, call it the Avengers or Pixar Avengers, whatever you want to call it, you get four Pixar characters to mix and match. And then you're building this team to fight against, in an upcoming special uh, movie, a classic Disney villain. So that would be like the 2D hand-drawn animation, all the villains that you know and love from your childhood, right? Or maybe um, your current childhood for those children listening. We love kids listening to Real Ramblin'. Um, whether it be Scar or um, Ursula or whoever, that that's who our Pixar team is fighting against. All right, so I'm going to give you my answer. I've got uh, James P. Sullivan from Monsters, Inc., Frozone from The Incredibles movies. I've got uh, Merida from Brave, and then Lightning McQueen from Cars. So just imagine that dream team going together against Maleficent. Maleficent has returned. She is kind of the head mistress of all evil, yes, but also kind of like the boss of the villains, right? I always saw her that way. Maybe it's just from playing the Kingdom Hearts franchises, but... Uh, anyway, okay, Maleficent, and not the Angelina Jolie version, but the the classic um, animated, hand-drawn Maleficent. I think that'd be pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that in a movie coming up. I don't know. Maybe they'll make it, hopefully. One can dream, right? That's what Walt Disney was all about. If you can dream it, you can do it. All right, so what is your answer? Who's uh, what, what Pixar team are you putting together? Which classic Disney villain are they teaming up to fight against and save the world? All right, so that is going to be it for this episode three of Real Ramblin'. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ramblin' Real. Yes, that's Real Ramblin' at Ramblin' Real. Uh, my name is Chris Jovanovic, and you can send me an email to my Gmail account. That's Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot A dot Jovanovic, J-O-V-A-N-O-V-I-C at gmail.com. And I want you to be sending me your thoughts, your questions, your input. Please, I'm looking forward to doing an episode very soon in which I get to address the voice of the people. But until then, keep watching those movies, keep talking about movies, keep on rambling. See you next time.